Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Progressive Outlook. I'm your host Dave coming at you guys. And yeah, um, just kind of all over the place with the big week, uh, well, behind us. And this episode is coming out just a little day later. Got a little bit busy uh, myself personally and things, but still pumping these out. Um, again, you know, if you guys like what you hear, go ahead, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever you guys do with your podcast for future updates. Let's get at it. All right, so to start this off, uh, a little bit of talk about COVID-19. Last week, the U.S. topped 500,000 deaths, and President Biden held a moment of silence for those people that passed away. California is the first state to surpass the leading deaths with 50,000 overnight, and black indigenous communities are really seeing the worst effects of the virus, and, you know, that comes and tells you that uh, when it comes down to um, support uh, and just putting into the health facilities and actually just health care for people of color, we don't really get the best treatment for it. And it's been showing uh, as long as this virus has been really getting at it. Um, the especially not just not just poor communities too, but just communities with people of color that's just not giving uh, a good chance when it comes down to things. I mean, for crying out loud, there is actually silver lining coming up because as we're talking right now, the FDA they approved the single shot Johnson Johnson vaccine, and it's being distributed as of um, March second. So you, that's readily available. Uh, for everybody who's eligible for the vaccine. So there's another option too. It's actually going to be more source, more supplies for more people to get vaccinated from the virus. The way the distribution is going because they're starting off with 3.9 million doses on hand, ready to go. And then after the few first few weeks, it's going to be a little patchy of them getting a little bit more. But by the end of March, Johnson Johnson says that they'll have just approximately 16 million more doses ready available. And that's in addition with uh, Pfizer, uh, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccines as well. So, yeah, there's more around the corner there. But speaking about uh, black communities, there's more news that came out about Elijah McClain. Uh, he was someone who died from a chokehold and adrenaline shot that put him brain dead, and he died a few days after that. Um, after an independent investigation, the cops had no reason to stop him because they said that he was jaywalking, and they approached him about his mask. He was actually wearing a mask, and they wanted to take it off, even though we're all supposed to be wearing our masks right now. And let's just be real. He was singled out because he was a black man who was walking by himself, had a mask on, and they just made a stupid judgment. Those cops did. And after they wrestled with him to the ground and everything, the paramedics who showed up, they didn't follow their protocol because they're too quick to administer a sedative that actually put him into this coma. And the cops won't say what crime Elijah committed or is going to commit since it was an illegal stop. Like, they just stopped him for the mask. They didn't even say, like, oh, yeah, you were doing this and that or anything. Like, it's even speculation about it being uh, jaywalking, too. Um, we just know that he was he was killed by the police and that now we're finding out, too, that like even the paramedics, 
didn't know what the hell they were doing too um there's just way way there's another story too about this um we we know especially after the summer that there was going to still be things happening with police who are just uh untrained or just have their biases about people it will still be enacting them um this is just bringing accountability on them um speaking of accountability there's a manslaughter charge for Oklahoma City officer who shot a 60-year-old man in the back. Walter Scott, who actually needed mental health assistance, got into a scuffle with police, ended up trying to run away, and got shot several times in the back. A 62-year-old man was able to scuffle these guys, and he was running away, and they shot him. Like, seriously, that's messed up. That That's just so uncalled for, like... So several folks, uh, mostly black, have been shot in the back by the cops. And there just need to be laws about punching people, about shooting them in the back. Um, they try to shoot to kill. Not they, they, they didn't bring up two assists. Like when they saw this situation, they could have just called in a medical professional who could have uh, helped Walter Scott. Um, but instead, they just decide to escalate this situation on their own. This is what everybody means when it comes down to defund the police. It's about actually just taking the money that's entirely to the police department and take funds from there and just put it to uh, social issues, um, like, um, for example, uh, medical assistance issues. Um, people who are trained to deal with people with mental health issues when they call 911 because cops clearly aren't trained for this um like that nine-year-old girl who is having a, a mental issue they they went and maced her and everything and it was it was insane and here's the thing like those people are who should be called for assistance or if the cops assesses a situation they should call them in there and step back a cop doesn't just go up to a burning building and just all right well i guess i'll get a bucket of gasoline to throw it on here Oh, no, no. Cops go up to a burning building and they call the fire department to actually come in and help uh, handle the situation there. And they're just going to stand on standby. They should do the same thing with people who need mental assistance because they have health issues. I remember uh, growing up, uh, I have a friend of mine whose dad was a paramedic whose job was actually training police officers on what to do in situations when people are choking or or if they're they're they fall into a seizure or or in a coma make sure they don't bang their heads and everything like that on how to assist people uh, before paramedics come in on what to do so that they actually do have some sort of training at least on what to do before the full officials come in with if they're the first ones at the scene and the same situation should be here like they go to a scene assess it know what to do to to tell if it needs a professional and call in that professional do your best to just maintain the scene and don't don't attack people and crap like that don't don't even try to put your hands on someone who's who has uh mental issues um let let's uh, expert and professional come in and handle that it's still focusing on the black community alabama is trying to pass legislation against quote riots calling an assembly of people such as sitting in traffic an unlawful riot and they can be arrested 
So if you're peacefully protesting in a crowded area, such as traffic, just blocking traffic about protesting, those people will be arrested, which is a violation of the first of the Bill of Rights. It's your first uh, amendment of the Constitution, the right, the right of assembly. This is an open act to attack Black Lives Matter and future protests. And it's an attack, again, on the First Amendment. Um, this might not pass because of the Constitution, but at the end of the day, honestly, I hear Alabama. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. This is Alabama. Um, now, there are, are people who voted into power just doing this because it's restricting people of color. And this is why it's very important to vote. When it comes down to just local elections and your local uh, legislators, because these are the people who are going to be oppressing you directly. Um, that's these people just weren't just handed power just overnight like that. These people are voted in office. These people are voted in and they make decisions about you guys because of that. And just sitting out, just sitting on the sidelines, just thinking, well, I'm not going to do this because it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. And these could go even further. All it is is just redefining the word riot. That's literally it. They'll try to redefine more things. That's all that's been happening in history. If the rules for, I would just say, um, the populace, the, the, the white people in power, if there's something that doesn't work with them, then they will just redefine something to continue oppressing people of color from just getting a one up. Just try and move up even more in that. And this is Alabama. That's exactly what they want to do. This is Alabama. Let's be real about that. But there are voices there. There are people out there that do want to turn things. They do just do want a legitimate uh, equal change of things and not just that they will just want their voices heard and spoken when there's uh in a protest that's seriously it but no 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 soon enough they're just gonna like seriously they're just calling an assembly a, a riot so you can't simple huh and then we start speaking up they'll just try to smuzzle that and say well you know that's 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 against of what you're saying you can't say those words it's illegal talk and everything like that and you'll just lose your uh, amendment of freedom of speech there and keep in mind of course sedition of insurrection still does not fall under freedom of speech if your freedom of speech leads up to actual violence then you got a problem there. No one was going out there in these protests in the Black Lives Matter just calling upon violence of violence on anybody. No, not at all. But guess what? Just saying something of like no justice, no peace, a slogan like that, they'll just try to turn that around on you guys too. And some good news too, um, opposite of that, is that the U.S. Park Police named the first black female chief in 230-year history in its entire existence. Uh, Pamela A. Smith has been named as the first black woman to lead the U.S. Park Police in the agency's entire history. And mostly the Park Police is, this is the National Park Police, and they're usually stationed in like San Francisco, New York, and Washington, D.C. And she said that uh, within the first uh, 90 days, uh, the program she'll enact will be uh, where body cameras starting in the agency's field office in San Francisco. Uh, across the field, across the country, we'll be wearing them by the end of the year. Um, she feels like that'll build up the trust within the public. 
now about releasing the camera footage to the public. Um, to quote uh, Smith, uh, in order to obtain any footage, footage, a request for a recording can be made through the Freedom of Information Act. It will be processed in accordance with applicable laws and policies, including the Privacy Act. Um, but you know what? We'll, we'll see how this goes in terms of out, especially with the Park Police. They have been um, scrutinized and high profile in the past couple of years. In 2017, they were under fire for the shooting death of uh Bijan Gesser, I believe is his name. Um, that's the person who is clearly just like assassinated by those cops. Um, he was driving home. I believe he uh, uh, cr- bumped his car, crashed his car into a car in front of him. But he kept driving because, well, there was no damage to his car. Uh, so he kept driving and the other person called the police on him. And the police just... Um, practically hunted him down just driving him down and he slowly was stopping his car twice at the third stop uh he attempted to go around the park police and they barricaded him and opened fired on him uh very very unnecessary and barricading him enough is right there um just just block a man's car just shoot the guy who wasn't being an aggressive aggressor to them at all um they just made that decision on him and the other other uh, case with the National Park Police was over the summer in June during the protests when the D.C. National Guard tro- um, troops, when they violently cleared out those protesters at the Lafayette Square just for uh, Trump to have his photo, sh- photo op at the church with an upside down Bible because he's a he's an idiot. Ooh, but catch myself cussing. But boy, but no, um. We'll see if things actually turn around with that. It's actually good for a change like this. It's a good symbolic change. But uh, will she turn things around there? Will she uh, help turn this department around? I mean, you know, you got cleared out top-bottom, if you ask me. It's a bottom-top. So, so we'll see how she addresses things regarding to the park police and how transparent things will be as well in the future. Now, the big news on the Hill was about uh, the House voting on the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill after the Senate ruled the $15 minimum wage couldn't be included. So went back to um, the House and they voted on it and it went through. Uh, now, this whole thing was because Senate parliamentarian um, ruled the minimum wage boost was out of order when they tried to put in a rank reconciliation. Um, I mentioned that a few podcasts back that um, they had to take out the $15 minimum wage increase and that they were going to add in reconciliation. The parliamentarian didn't think so and didn't work out. Now, here's the deal. Um, we'll go in order about this because everyone's saying that the vice president should just overrule it, which she can. Um, vice President uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris can do that. Um, and, but <laughs> overruling has to happen since 1975. Um and the other issue with their overruling is that they wouldn't have enough votes to sustain it because you need 60 votes to sustain the overruling. And the Democrats only have 48 because there's actually Democrats against that, too. Um, so that's where they're sitting at here. But no, all's not fail. All's not gone. Um, Bernie Sanders, uh, new budget committee chairman and Chuck Schumer, uh, they're crafting a case to the parliamentarian 
that should be allowed. But that's not looking too good, but still trying to sway things with that. Meanwhile, Democrats were working on a plan B on how to implement it. Um, some new ideas that are interesting was uh, the Senate finance chairman, uh, Ron Wyden. And his plans was to work around the parliamentarians' uh, minimum wage ruling by using tax penalties to push corporations to pay workers more. So hence, Costco increased their minimum wage to uh, $16. They just do that out of nowhere. Um, So they're going to try to at least force corporations to increase the minimum wage and make that the average. Um, A bunch of other progressives are suggesting an end run. Um, Like I was saying about having uh, the vice president preside over the Senate, rule the wage hike compliant, uh, defying the parliamentarian, which is overruling it, and like I said about that caveat, they need to continue that majority vote, but they only have that 48 to sustain the overruling. So raising the minimum wage is important, basically. Uh, just keep this in mind, guys, because there's a lot of people, especially so many different areas just against it. It has been, what, it's been 725, like, what, since 2007. But basically, raising the minimum wage is important. And just ignore all that BS about inflation, because that's happening no matter what. It doesn't happen because of minimum wage. Inflation just naturally increases. So no matter what the cost of things, that's going to keep increasing. And the minimum wage should increase to keep up with it. So people can still have a normal living with the inflation that keeps increasing. But since the last minimum wage was like 12 years ago... um, more Americans are struggling to make ends meet. And I'm glad this is something that was actually brought to the table to be addressed. So um, to blame the rules of the Senate legislation, that's what's happening here. And Nancy Pelosi, she uh, doesn't blame anyone specifically like Republicans, Democrats, uh, senators or representatives. Just the system said that um, she just blamed the rules of the Senate legislation instead, not even the parliamentarian. Uh, which is which is just that it's this the system being as it is, but they're trying to find ways around it. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, stated about how they're going to still try to um, fight for the fifteen dollar minimum wage, even if it can't be included in the uh, checks and after the parliamentarian that they're not going to give up on it.
So there you go. So hopefully $15 will be the minimum wage. It'll be more money uh, added to our pockets uh, over time because it's not going to be an overnight thing. And, uh, yeah, we'll just be able to work work what we got. We'll have some money. We'll be paying our taxes. And speaking of those taxes, uh, the Supreme Court declined to block a grand jury from getting Trump's tax records. Uh, basically, it was one last Hail Mary that Trump's legal team, team tried to put together there after the investigation was going full throttle for the um, prosecutors regarding Trump's taxes was that they were trying to get the Supreme Court to get involved to see if they could block it, but it didn't work. So, yeah, like the the tax returns were handed over to Manhattan prosecutors and they're processing millions of pages of his financial records. Now, it doesn't mean that his taxes will be public, but it does give you approval for thorough investigation of those taxes. So this criminally threatens Trump his eldest children, and the Trump Organization. And it opens up the door to the New York criminal investigation to his taxes. So that's really going forth on there. Just any accountability on this guy somewhere for all the crimes that he did. Even if it's just covering up his taxes. I mean, geez, Al Capone, he was um, tried and put away for his taxes. I understand he was just a Chicago outfit leader. Donald Trump is, uh, he was president of the United States. He had that title. Or he just tried to run the president's uh, presidency just as he wished, as if it was an outfit of his own. And regarding that, too, was just, let alone, like, all the attacks on the media that he was doing. He was perceiving as so many people as an enemy of the state's that you wouldn't have expected. And he was warming up to the funkiest allies for him. Like all these dictators he was cool with because he was a fascist himself. But one thing was that um, Saudi Arabia, a lot of people understand the power and influence they have, but at the same time, that's a very shady, shady uh, country. Uh, just in the sense that, um, for example, like 9-11, those terrorists were from Saudi Arabia no accountability there. There's very little accountability. And when it came out about Jamal Khashoggi and his killing, Donald Trump just hand-waved it. But we found out recently that uh, the CIA, CIA released an intel report which confirmed everyone's assessment that the Saudi crown prince approved Jamal Khashoggi's uh, assassination. Uh, just citing what the CIA said was, we assessed that we assess that uh, Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman approved an operation in Istanbul, Turkey to capture or kill Saudi German journalist Jamal Khashoggi. We base this assessment on the Crown Prince's control of decision-making decision in the kingdom since 2017, the direct involvement of a key advisor and members of Mohammed bin Salman's protective detail in the operation and the Crown Prince's support for using violent measures to silence dissidents abroad, including Khashoggi. Um, Khashoggi was lured to the, to the consultant under false pretenses to get a visa for his wedding and from UN investigations that uh, he was actually murdered and dismembered and his body wasn't found. Uh, 76 Saudis, including the elite hit squad, behind this and the deputy of them of uh, the ringleader basically they're being sanctioned uh, from the u.s with visas restricted 
and their assets frozen, not just assets in the U.S., but assets of U.S. banks around the world are restricted from them. However, not against Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, for years, Donald Trump disputed CIA findings, lied that the investigations were inconclusive, not exact words, but Trump and his son-in-law just lavished attention with the crown prince and basically allied up with him, actually invested with um, with Jared Kushner was starting an investment fund for Saudi Arabia on January 6th. So basically what the Biden administration did was that they sanctioned against the, the hit squad, the top leader of the hit squad, but not against the crown prince who actually gave the okay with it. Basically, he approved it. And that's the problem here, because he actually said that there was going to be accountability about that, and he is skirting this away with this one. Uh, we should really reconsider what we've been doing with Saudi Arabia as well. Like, look at the weapons sales, actions in Syria, and now with this, the Magnitsky sanctions. But they have to push a strong sanction on the crown prince, as if they have done for other perpetrators, at least otherwise, send that message which is being sent worldwide that anyone can assassinate an opponent and really face no consequences. They could assassinate uh, journalists who are very, very vocal about against them. And there'll be no consequences with that. Um, The Minsky act was created for situations just like this. All right. A little history lesson for you guys. All right. Obama created the Minsky act and basically a good, good, good experience. Description of it from Wikipedia is it's a bipartisan bill that was passed by the U.S. Congress and signed into law by President Obama in December 2012. Now, intending to punish Russian officials responsible for the death of Russian tax lawyer Sergei in a Moscow prison in 2009, also to grant permanent normal trade relations status to Russia. So the about the, the bill applies to anyone globally to freeze their assets and ban them from entering in U.S. property. Biden enacted it so far, but not to the top of Saudi Arabia. Representative Adam Schiff, he uh, weighed in his thoughts about that. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she did too. Uh, there are Democrats who are critical about Biden on his decision making here because these are... Like I said, it's not just breaking a campaign promise, too, but it's about your allyship with what you're trying to choose here. And one thing, too, is that Biden is thinking about his allyship with them. And do I really want to cut things off with this? It's most likely I hate to just point and say it's all oil and all that. But something has got to give about this diplomacy. Here's an excerpt from Representative Adam Schiff, who actually has a background in advancing press freedom around the world.
Oh, but we're not done about Biden and his actions in the Middle East because he actually ordered airstrikes against Iran-backed militias in Syria. Um, Jen Psaki said a more detailed briefing will be released to Congress next week regarding the strike. Bike was retaliatory from an airstrike in February 15th that killed one contractor and one U.S. troop. The target was carrying munitions and weapons to militia fighters strategically. Uh, these people were targeting UN and uh, other international forces, so that wasn't directing directly uh, intervening with the Syrian civil war. Uh, that's what uh, the White House said that they weren't directly intervening with the civil war. That it was a munitions supply run for people for militias that were attacking UN and international forces. Uh, twenty five casualties on the uh, strike on the twenty fifth, but okay, basically. We should back out of the Middle East just totally. Assad and his father were terrible to their people for decades. There's reason why the people protested Assad during the Arab Spring in Syria, but it turned into a bloody civil war. But U.S. intervention or any Western intervention in the Middle East has done nothing but destabilize the situation. Countries could flourish more, but they keep getting stepped back. Actually, pushback, not even steps. It's just big pushes back. And I was against Afghanistan and Iraq and didn't want the anticipated Iran war that John McCain was toting about. He was trying to stoke that when he was campaigning. Uh, the Arab Spring support was just that support, but it wasn't necessary to keep intervening for so long. Support removal of dictators that the people went gone. Okay, uh, Trump abandoned the Kurds and nearly took us to World War III against Iran exactly 13 months ago. Those were just damn dumb moves, <laughs> all right? Seriously, we have to stop just because maybe maybe millions, I don't know the number of civilians that have been caught up in these conflicts, and that's what matters. Maybe billions of people have died from this. So they we really got to get out of the Middle East, stop intervening in anything in the Middle East. Now, about more realistic threats to this country uh, domestically right now is white supremacy and terrorism with that. Uh, Merrick Garland, the new attorney general who is uh, sworn in and taking on white supremacy on the inside, even said that um, there was an insurrection probe is top priority. And the FBI is investigating Alex Jones and Roger Stone's involvement uh, regarding these seditionists, insurrectionists and white terrorists. Um, also, Oath Keepers said that they worked with Secret Service and other security details with Trump and that the Oath Keepers prepared and recruited weeks before the Capitol insurrection. However, now, even as early as uh, this week, the Oath Keepers are now saying like, oh, we lied. We actually didn't do security detail with Trump. But believe it or not, I, I, it's easy to believe that a guy who is endorsed by David Duke and has actually embraced that endorsement wouldn't mind probably being surrounded by the Oath Keepers. If you're not familiar with them, they are a militia group, a white supremacist group, and they're one of those backers in the um, Capitol riot during the sedition on January 6th. And they've been reeled in by the FBI um, for their involvement with that and actual possible future attack, future attacks on the country. Um, what Mayor Garland is doing is probing on white supremacy and wants to stamp it out. 
I mean, yeah, there's it's so weird because after you say that, um, senators, representatives are like, I feel personally attacked. I feel personally attacked by someone who's saying they want to take on white supremacy. Then you're white supremacist right there, buddy. And you shouldn't even be in office because you have hateful thoughts or biased, hateful thoughts going on there. Merrick Garland says the siege at the Capitol shows that violent extremism is more of a threat now than it was 26 years ago when the Oklahoma City Federal Building was bombed and Garland led that federal prosecution. He says the Capitol investigation will range beyond the actual rioters. We begin with the people on the ground and we work our way up to those uh, who are involved and further involved. Garland pledged to make sure the White House and politics don't interfere with investigations, including the special counsel's inquiry into the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign and the tax investigation of the president's son, Hunter. I would not have taken this job if I thought that politics would have any influence over prosecutions and investigations. On other issues, he called the Trump child separation policy shameful and said he couldn't think of anything worse. While he rejected any calls to defund the police, he said police departments should be investigated if they show a pattern of violating civil rights. And he got emotional recalling how the U.S. welcomed his grandparents who fled anti-Semitism in Russia. The country took us in protected us. And I feel an obligation to the country to pay back. So that's Merrick Garland, uh, who's now sworn in as the attorney general. And he is right um, about the uh, seditionists and the attacks, like see where it goes and move your way up with it. But also going back with it, too, we do know that those people they are a hateful, are a full of anger and everything. The violent people previously, and they were just stoked up from the big lie that Trump was telling them that their vote was stolen from them. Uh, that, that's a big lie that, you know what, they're willing to fight and actually try to kill Congress over. And regarding that big lie, it still won't stop to this day. Uh, Republicans are using a big lie to enact laws to cut ballot ac- access. Uh, there's reformations for voting as a bill is now trending in several states. Um, Secretary of State in Georgia, the one Trump threatened, is against this and says a three-month reaction from being fed the big lie. Representative Liz Cheney is against Trump ever returning to the Republican Party as he will continue tarnishing their reputation. But it'll split with people like her and more devious Republicans like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example. But, you know, after CPAC and hearing Trump's speech, the Republican Party has fully transformed into this new wave from Tea Party to Trumper Party. And just the old guard we're seeing is the old guard. That's my take on it. But you know what? Um, with these wacky ass nut jobs over there, uh, the Capitol Police Chief actually is following up with... Um, the seditionists and the attacks was happening and found out the extremists actually want to blow up the Capitol. Um, so extremists are threatening to blow up the Capitol when President Biden addresses the Congress, you know, the state union address that the presidents usually do. And militias want to blow it up and kill as many people as possible during his address. So domestic terrorists is an ongoing threat to the U.S. government. Militia groups claim they want to save the country and protect the Constitution. But realistically, they hate the government and want to overthrow the government. However, they just 
can without they can't do without getting wiped out. That's the thing. So think of Michigan. At first, these guys were LARPers. Or they're LARPers. Live action role players and stuff. These are guys who would just sit around in the rural areas, dress up with all their army fatigue, with all their uh, fatigue and, and their uh, uh, tactical gear and everything. And they're just hoping the government would piss them off because they would love to stand against the police with their weapons. After Trump, they became emboldened to just take action and not fear the repercussions anymore. So instead of being reactionary, they want to be the cause. The FBI should screen more people, especially regarding security details, since one of the Oath Keepers said that they used to coordinate with Trump and his Secret Service details, which, by the way, kind of resonates when the Secret Service details were switched around when Biden came into office. But, But the House of Representatives is trying to wake people up with parallels of 9-11 to the sedition groups that attacked the Capitol. So this is politicized only because Republicans in Congress want these guys back. Think of, think of Hawley and Ted Cruz who's catering to these guys. They want their votes. So while local state Republicans, though, are on the opposite side. All right, these guys see these people as crazy. Um, they, 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 they are totally seeing these guys up close to personal like these people are just dangerous and they shouldn't be courted at all like seriously like the republican party is it shaken or worried about it since they love dancing with violent conspiracy theorists like the big lie for example they haven't quite grasped it with reality and think the deep state stole the election like look at uh lord bober and like mentioned Taylor Green, Holly Gates, just these guys who just dance with these conspiracy theories. Um, but again, the, the American broad supermajority is actually going the opposite of that caucus. So basically, militia groups and just any groups of people who are just investing in the big lie should just be actually be investigated and looked at for extremism because now we know that these guys are a threat. Actually, all right, as a black man in America, we've, we've been knowing that these guys are a threat, okay? Like, we rarely would go out to a, a county or a rural area that's full of militia people and stuff like that and just turn the hell around from there. No one wants to be around those people who just opposite skin color of it. But now that these guys are just willing to take on Congress... Or just anything in the government because they believe in that dull deep space, deep state conspiracy and everything, then they really have to be broken apart. That's literally the end game of this. They can't be courted and danced with anymore. They shouldn't be showing up at these rallies openly. If they do, then there you go. Investigate these guys and be prepared to arrest them. They probably have guns illegally obtained and may as well be conspiring against people. Think of the governor of Michigan. How they conspired against her and they kept storming the Capitol there. They did it twice. And all Trump told her was like, well, you should cut a deal with them. These dangerous people armed with guns getting to the Capitol of Michigan and everything. And he's telling her, the governor, to cut a deal with these guys. But you know what will really, really drive them crazy? There's something that really just take them the 10 would be if uh, reparations actually went through for african-americans and you know what the biden administration is waiting to see how congress addresses reparations um that's really what will make folks freak out and but the thing is 
folks would freak out about that and act like they have no reason to deal with it, but they don't see what was taken from black Americans and given to white Americans, which this entire system and country is based off of. Uh, people of color, were they've stolen land, they've stolen freedoms, stolen rights from them, and they just use that to, to prop themselves up. Um, and that's what reparations will be about. It'll just be about just that, giving back to us uh, what's happening. For example, Evanston, Illinois, I didn't even know about this. All right, I'm in Chicago. Evanston, Illinois is a suburb just very close north of here. And they are using the marijuana taxes that's been put in effect, I believe, since January. And that tax revenue is a fund reparations out there. I didn't even know there were reparations already going on. But yeah. So just put that like on a federal level, not even a state level, just statewide level of it. So it just for more accountability, because we see what happens when people act up. There's going to be a big sedition going on and then there's no accountability. People are just left alone, forgiven and all that. In Civil War, when that happened, you saw what the uh, Confederate States did saw what they turned into they still follow that flag they still um they still had slaves even after slavery was illegal and after that they were still angry about black rights and everything and not to just say that you know the safe the north was safe because the racism was all over the country keep that in mind but it was really really prominent it's really really strong in the south during the during all that time all the way up to the civil rights movement but just as long as we have voices here, that voices get stronger, we still fight for our rights and for equality, then there will be a change for things and more people will be more accepted, such as the LGBTQ community, because the House of Representatives passed the Equality Act. Um, it was a bill that's now moving to the Senate. It was voted 224 to 206. And its first step was to end all discrimination in the workplace. Then said to go ahead and end in every aspect of the economy and society. Uh, that's quoting uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, three Republican votes for the act were Tom Reed of uh, New York, represent Representative Tom Reed, Representative John Kotko in New York, and Representative Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. So now it has to go to the Senate, and the bill would amend the laws, including the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Act, to explicitly include protections for the LGBTQ people. Unlike its passage in the House back in 2019, the measure is now being considered after the Supreme Court ruled that Title VII protects employees from being fired based on their gender identity or sexual orientation. So the big picture is 25 states were classified by the human rights campaign's last, well, equity reviews struggling to achieve basic equality for LGBTQ people. The gaps include a lack of legislation to ensure discrimination in housing and education. So now this needs 60 votes or no more filibuster. So... That's how it's going to have to go down there. They have to bust through the Democrats to really have to kill the filibuster to get this through. Or it could be wrong. This could just be a majority vote. 
I believe it's a 60, uh, 60, 40 vote that has to go through or 60 or more. But um, if that's the case, then that's it. No filibuster. They have to they have to destroy that filibuster from going through. And there are representatives who are hateful towards um, transgender people. Um, like, for example, like Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, put up a sign and a flag trying to denounce um, transgender people because the representative across for her, Marie Newman of Chicago, uh, put up a trans flag. And not just that, her daughter is actually uh, trans as well. Her, her daughter is trans. But yeah, like you get cases like that where they're just harassing uh, other people in Congress. Uh, keep in mind, like things that happen on the street happen in the workplace, even happens up at the Capitol. Um, there's just this harassment that goes down. But yeah, just ending it on that note of the uh, Equality Act that passed through the House and going to the Senate. And hopefully it passes through that as well for more people have protections and rights. Um, yeah, that's basically it. And one, one thing I do want to just throw out there is uh, the impact of knowing like the history of your country that you're in. Because if someone knows more about that than you, then that means that they can control you. Uh, that's like a form of slavery. They'll use that against you and twist everything on it and you won't even notice it. So it's very important to know just the basis of the history of your government and that it's everywhere around you and how it affects everything that you do to this very day. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Progressive Outlook. Like I said earlier, go ahead and follow us, like us, uh, follow, subscribe. Whatever you do on your podcasts out there, where you guys are doing, wherever you're hearing this from, from us um, either iTunes or all the way up there with Spotify, just go ahead, um, drop me a message. It's over at uh, Anchor.fm, Progressive Outlook. Go ahead and uh, let me know your thoughts. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your week.